Hello everyone, welcome to episode 180 of the Unfocus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan, because every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Uh, with me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Hello. And um, we've got a packed episode this week as we're going to talk about the Nintendo Direct the one thing that uh, brought me back from my intermittent hiatus. Uh, we're also going to talk about a couple of ports in Alien Isolation and Overwatch, uh, while Andrew's going to talk about Backbone and the Book of Demons. So with that, let's get right into that juicy news from the Direct. Okay, just as we uh, had given up hope on a start of 2022 Direct, they announced one at short notice, like, was it the day before? Yeah, 36 hours, I think. Which is uh, an unusual amount of, uh, well, sorry, lack of notice that they gave us. But just before we get into the news, uh, I thought this was a decent one in that it gave me a lot of things that I didn't know I wanted rather than the stuff I definitely did want. Before we get into it also, you know, obviously we're lacking some of the the big hitters that are scheduled for this year, such as Breath of the Wild. Uh, Bayonetta 3 was the other one Andrew pointed out. That was slightly worrying that these two games were missing, but I I feel like they're both going to be worthy of their own directs as long as they make their intended release dates of this year. Uh, Any thoughts on those omissions? Yeah, I'm I'm guessing they're uh, ramping up for a pretty solid holiday season as well, Mm. holding those back from this direct. I am tired of making predictions and being wrong. So I withdraw any comment I may or may not be having in my head at the moment. Uh, my guess is for Breath of the Wild that it's going to be a, a late December release. I'll play it when I play it and it'll be good. <laughs> that it surely will be. Okay, so we'll run through the direct. We'll talk about the things we like and the things we didn't. The first thing they announced was a surprise to everybody. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, which is a from the Warriors moniker, obviously a new uh, Fire Emblem Musu. Uh, now, I can only be tempted to play this genre when it's a, a series I like, and this is a series I like, so I will probably grab this one on, on June 24th. Um, I really dig the Three Houses setting as well, so I'm, I'm happy to jump back into that. Uh, I think we're all a little gun-shy of Warriors games based on Nintendo concepts just because of that really terrible story from The Last Hyrule Warriors. Definitely. I wouldn't call it terrible, but I certainly didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It was fine by itself. It was, it was how it related to Breath of the Wild and changed things <laughs> that I wasn't real wild about. Yeah, if they hadn't built it as like the canon prequel yeah. or something, I, I would probably have had a lot less of a problem with it. That was my main concern, is that it was advertised as a prequel, or heavily mm-hmm. implied at least, and then it throws a curveball at you and you, you feel none of this matters. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried they're going to do that again, because they outright said that this is set in the Three Houses universe, <laughs> in the direct. Yeah, I think the safest thing you can do with these games is just assume that you'll be playing as characters you like, yeah, smacking the crap out of hordes of enemies, and I'll be fine with that, I think. I mean, how could it tie into it? Because Three Houses is pretty, no matter which route you go down, it's pretty um, conclusive. All eyes on Edelgard. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, I'm also interested to see how much more they do with like the Fire Emblem style mechanics. Like that, that was one of the things I really dug about the last Fire Emblem Warriors. Actually, yeah. The the strategy stuff and how they incorporated elements. Like again, this is a large part of why I like playing these games when they're based on things I like, because I like to see how they, they translate that. Yeah, they they tend to really borrow from the the base universe. Persona 5 Strikers, I wouldn't even call a Muso game just because of how heavily it leans on Persona 5 more than the mm-hmm. Musou genre. It's interesting. I don't have strong feelings uh, 
Fire Emblem Three Houses was a game I just decided I didn't really care to play. Uh, I have since bought it, but I have no plans to actually ever play it. I just got it for my collection mostly. Uh, so I have no attachment to the characters, and quite apart from that, I'm, I'm worried if I do play this that it'll taint the story for me if I ever do get around to playing Three Houses, because uh, mm-hmm. I'll know it's coming to some extent or in some form, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, because like I said has multiple endings so how is that even going to work in this um, <laughs> fire emblem warriors probably would be my second favorite muso game after hyrule warriors but having said that i i'm still not super thrilled about it like uh, especially all the all the mounted characters i didn't like a single one of the mounted characters and there are a few that you couldn't really avoid playing as so i didn't see any mounted characters in this trailer but that doesn't mean they're not there. Having no real attachment to the game it's based on and its predecessor, yeah, not real excited about this. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but the one thing I do like that Nintendo showcase in this is that they will announce this stuff and the release dates are usually pretty soon. This is coming June 24th, which is really not that far away because time is meaningless. Um, next up was Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, uh, an update that got delayed originally. I think it was meant to be last year, was it? It was supposed to be out in December. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they've pushed it back to April 8th is now its uh, new official release date. And this time it comes with full voice acting. Uh, And they also announced custom maps and online multiplayer, which is pretty cool. We were were up in the uh, air as to whether they were going to go to those lengths. Um, No mention of asynchronous multiplayer, though, which I think would be the the one thing. Well, if it doesn't have it, Wargroove has you covered and probably be quite a bit cheaper, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I never played the originals, so I have no attachment to this, but I will mm-hmm. say that the the character designs and the animation and everything is actually kind of mind-blowing. It looks really good, really colourful too. Mm-hmm. I did play the originals. They're probably my favourite Game Boy Advance games, so I'm going to play this, but I am, I'm weirdly not all that excited about it. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe I'm just, I'm not excited for anything anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I'm dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> and next up was the probably the biggest surprise, uh, especially considering it didn't mention cloud anywhere. Uh, but yeah. No Man's Sky is coming this summer. Uh, so, I mean, as long as it runs how it looked, that's, yeah. that's a technical feat in itself. That's pretty cool. Let's talk about that. Do any of us believe that this was Switch footage they were showing? Yes, because it did get yes. a little bit framey at some mm. points in um, mm-hmm. outer space. Sorry, I, th- I think they overcompensated on the uh, chromatic aberration as well to help mask some of that. No Man's Sky in general is really heavy on the post-processing, mm-hmm. so who knows. But that when this one came up, I was just, how? <laughs> it, barely, it barely runs on the other consoles. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's harsh. It, it, I mean, even the PlayStation 1 ran well at launch. Uh, my thing with this game is uh, with every patch, they've taken it away from the point of No Man's Sky, which was that it's meant to be a lonely trek to the center of the universe from wherever it spawns you. And with multiplayer patching, building, and all, all that fun community yeah. stuff kind of takes it away from that. And that, that has put me off going back to it. Well, that's what the game was when it launched, and, and people hated it. So, <laughs> Which is weird, because I loved I it. I played it non-stop. Yeah, I, mm. I, I, I loved it at the beginning, and I, I don't want any bar of it now that it's got the, the multiplayer stuff in. Because it's not the point. The whole, the whole point is that it's the lo- lonely journey through space. Like It's meant to make you feel small and alone in space. And now it's like, hey, party time. Now it's an MMO. 
Yeah. Well, cloud aside, this game requires an internet connection to play, doesn't it? It does, and it's mostly because it has to kind of verify the... Um, mm. it, it, it does this kind of two-sided um, generation where everything... There's 18 quintillion planets in this game. Quintillion. So the fact that they're all generated by an, uh, a procedural algorithm means mm -hmm. that there are going to be mistakes somewhere along the line. Mm. So I think the online thing is just to kind of verify those sorts of changes, I guess. And also part of that theme of loneliness, it was to the point where the closer you get to the center, the more you're going to run into things that other people have already discovered. And then you had that naming thing like if you're the first on a planet you can name it and then like when you arrive there and it's like got someone it's named by someone else that's that was a really cool thing so i think there's also an element of that they're storing that information yeah side, obviously yeah like even wow. if you didn't um interact with the players directly you could see kind of like their footsteps metaphorically mm -hmm. well however it works if i'm gonna be required to play it on internet rather just play it on game pass <laughs> then mm -hmm. pay out the nose to get it on switch and still be shackled to a tv to play it uh, also the um vr version is very good oh like, yeah it was already impressive to be able to take off from a planet and seamlessly fly through the atmosphere and then into deep space vr it just makes that even better you're gonna do it with the leather um, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be pretty cool but probably no. next up uh, Mario sports games. Uh, I have been banging the more Mario Strikers drum since Mario Tennis launched, and I finally got my wish in Mario Strikers Battle League coming June 10th. Uh, another one where it's not long to wait. A um, couple of things to mention on this. Uh, no mention of a campaign, which could be a blessing uh, based on everyone's thoughts on golf and tennis. Although I did end up enjoying the tennis one quite a lot once I realised, you know, what its aims were. It didn't really align with what I wanted for a tennis campaign to be, but, you know, I, I got there. It's got lots of uh, cool online stuff, which will be interesting to see how that plays out with it being Nintendo, because they're promising 8-player multiplayer. Traditionally not the best online services from these guys. But you can set up an online club and people can play in the name of your club so we'll, we'll probably do that when it launches um but yeah i love the wii version of this game so um, yeah this is a definite pickup for me you're probably going to be surprised to hear me excited for a sports game but i am so keen for this <laughs> one i love mario strikers i just hope they bring back the waluigi crotch chop <laughs> uh next up was splatoon 3 didn't show a great deal but it was a, a better look at the the new salmon run and Salmon Run Next Wave, uh, that's coming summer 2022. I don't know if I can get excited for Splatoon again. Do we know if this mode still has the, the weird international times or if they're not released that yet? I they don't think they've say. said yet. They gave us a good look at some of the bosses and yeah, uh, if you're excited for that game, that would be pretty cool. Uh, where are we on the hype spectrum, Tori? I think you're probably the one who's most looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, but this really just looks like the salmon run we already had with a few quality of life improvements and a couple new bosses, which is fine, mm -hmm. but it's not hype worthy. It's just a, oh, that's cool. They could have added this to Splatoon 2 um salmon mm. run i need to see what they're doing with the single player mode in this because yeah. in splatoon in in both the splatoons i did not stick with the multiplayer mode for more than a couple weeks i'm definitely much more of a fan of the single player and co-op stuff in this than the multiplayer which i know kind of defeats the purpose for a lot of people but the single player games are just really fun yeah whereas i prefer the multiplayer like i just like the the endless matches of like the the turf wars but i don't know if i'm ready for another one yet yeah I, i've kind of 
kind of done with that for the moment. Next up was one of the first surprises, uh, a remake of the first Front Mission called Front Mission First. Uh, <laughs> it's a turn-based mech strategy game uh, that's coming this summer with Front Mission 2 also on the horizon, but no release date yet. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in this, whether I pick that up on release date or not is another matter and probably depends on whether I finished Triangle Strategy <laughs> by then, because that's going to be a long game. I think. Uh, anyone familiar with the originals? No. And the way they announced it was just like, oh yeah, the 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 Vanses are back. And I'm like, they... <laughs> I thought they there left? was a typo. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what a Vanser was. <laughs> <laughs> I like turn-based strategy games, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in that one. Next up was a Disney Speedstorm. It's Mario Kart, but it's Disney. It's free to play, so uh, yeah. That will mean whatever it means to you, dear listener. But it is cross-platform and comes out this summer. Any interest in that? Uh, I tend to look at most kart races just for the the wheel stuff because I've got my steering wheel that doesn't get as much use as I'd like, but we'll probably get some more in the near future for reasons we'll talk about soon. I just saw that it's that free-to-play thing where you have to level up your kart or racer or whatever. That just Mm -hmm. puts me off entirely Mm. yeah it's that balance between is it free to play or is it pay to win yeah i need to play it to see what the power sliding is like because most (laughs) kart racers either don't have good power sliding or don't have power sliding at all and that's what i play mario kart for is the power sliding it it's so much fun it makes the entire game and then you play other kart racers and they seem to think that what makes kart racing fun is throwing shells at each other i hate that stuff (laughs) (laughs) i get annoyed when i get hit by a shell so, yeah, wait and see on this one. Uh, next up was Assassin's Creed, the Ezio collection. We knew this was coming, uh, but we didn't know it was coming February 17th. My only comment on this trilogy is that Brotherhood is the only one really worth a damn, but that's definitely my favourite. Andrew has a different opinion, apparently. Let's be clear, all three of these games are old and feel old. And if, if you mm-hmm. have Black Flag on Switch already, you're going to be disappointed if you haven't played these games. <laughs> <laughs> they were made on older technology and they feel like it. Mm-hmm. Brotherhood was just my least favorite of the three. It, it did something I wanted Assassin's Creed to do since the first game, uh, where the entire game is set on a single map. Like the first game mm-hmm. and Assassin's Creed 2 are actually broken up into a bunch of smaller cities. I didn't understand why they did that. Brotherhood is set just in Rome, which is great, except that most of Rome is a big empty field that's very boring to run across. And then, then there's Revelations, and Revelations, even though it has a, a really a terrible tower defense minigame in it, uh, it's actually really mm-hmm. easy to avoid that terrible tower defense minigame, so I didn't have to deal with it that much. And that actually wound up being my favorite of these three games when I was playing through the series. <laughs> but that that's just my personal take. And I will say for Brotherhood, they, they have a side quest in it, the, uh, the Assassin's Tombs, which are like these obstacle courses that are almost like roller coasters. And they're actually one of my favorite things in any Assassin's Creed game. And I wish they would make more of them. They're like It's only Brotherhood <laughs> that had them and then they just quit making them. <laughs> so I'll say that for Brotherhood at least. Yeah, no, that's my favorite. It just had the the best location, best mission structure. I felt it had the best story. Um, and actually, Revelations was where I tapped out when I hit the tower defense and went, nope. Um, the, the first one's which, the only one I haven't played, which mm-hmm. I, I think I've been told that's fine. It's highly um, skippable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed my time with them story-wise, at least. Uh, Ezio's kind of a fun character. He's kind of like Mercutio, basically. <laughs> if yeah. Mercutio is the main character in Romeo and Juliet. 
<laughs> basically uh as for gameplay mechanics i can't really remember the difference between all three um but i do feel like if you i, I agree on the um the black flag thing if you're going from that on switch to playing effectively the trilogy of assassin's Creed 2 it's gonna hurt so yeah uh, next up was uh sd gundam battle alliance which is an action rpg with chibi robot designs that's coming out this year uh given that none of us have ever mentioned gundam on the show except in news i'm going to assume none of us are interested in this not really next up was uh chrono cross the radical dreamers edition which is a bit of a a remaster and includes radical dreamers which is a text adventure from what i could gather um this is cool i have never played it but why not chrono trigger instead is my question uh this is coming april 7th uh andrew i'm pretty sure you would pick this one up uh probably not actually first of all it looks like they're doing the uh physical release is going to be import only so, mm. and uh, Chrono Cross may be the most disappointing sequel I've ever played. Like, uh, <laughs> Chrono Trigger is a tough act to follow. I mean, Chrono Cross doesn't have that going for it. <laughs> the or Chrono Trigger is my personal favorite, and, you know, maybe if we were to really analyze it and break down all of its parts and everything, we could lay out an argument that it may be, like, the best traditional JRPG ever made. And... You know, then you've got, now we got to make a sequel to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And instead of further developing just this almost flawless machine they made with Chrono Trigger, they made something really, really, I cannot exaggerate or overstate how really different this game is. And it did not work for me at all. I do <laughs> not like this game. Uh, it might be fine if it, wasn't a chrono trigger sequel i might be able to go like hey yeah that that was okay but you know you take one of my favorite rpgs ever one of my favorite games ever and then you you put this sequel on it that just in in no way even feels like a chrono trigger sequel it just feels like this weird thing they made that they stuck the chrono license onto and i'm just i was not pleased uh not real (laughs) motivated to get this certainly not until it cut gets a deep discount uh, it does have a lot of fans though like i was i saw a lot of people surprised at how uh, split the opinion was on this game uh, online but uh, yeah i agree with you like uh, chrono trigger like i only played that on 3ds like five years ago instantly one of my favorite jrpgs like um i just yeah i don't, I don't know if i if i would be confident enough without a lot of debate to say that it is my favorite but it's definitely up there, like un- undeniably such a good game with a lot of great ideas that, you know, feel really ahead of their time. They're, like they almost feel modern. Tori, you interested? Not particularly, but um, the one thing that stood out to me is, is the Satellaview, the uh, attachment that let you download game code over uh, the TV network frequencies, or is that something else? No, that's what that was. Yeah, I just yeah. think that's really cool. <laughs> Well, the ROM has been out there for a long time. You could play this on an emulator. So it's great that it's available officially, you know, not illegally (laughs) for the first time. (laughs) But it's not like this has been unobtainable until now. I just meant the the technology was cool for its time. Yeah. That everyone's playing the same thing at the same time as well. Yeah, well, we were just complaining about that with Salmon Run. That was kind of the same thing. Like, you had to be home at a certain time to play <laughs> this specific game and if you weren't able to you were just you were sol 
<laughs> and you could never play that game again. And a lot of those games are just quite simply gone because they were not saved. Uh, Radical Dreamers, luckily, was people managed to get ROMs of it on the internet. But a lot of those Satellaview games, mm. and including, I think there were two Zelda games that were released through Satellaview, you just can't play them anymore. I mean, that part's a shame for the, the sake of um, game preservation, but it's just still a, an interesting idea that I guess has a lot of downsides, and that's why they never really did it again. Well, mm-hmm. if we do play Chrono Cross when it comes out, maybe we can talk about that more when that episode comes. <laughs> Just the, the yeah. whole Satella View phenomenon. Uh, next up was Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, still looks great. Still looks a lot like a Mario game. Um, they introduced some of Kirby's new uh, abilities, such as Mouthful Mode, where he could eat a car, where basically the car's wearing him like a hat and you can drive around. He can eat a vending machine and shoot out its cans. Uh, also some contextual puzzle solving. I'm using the word puzzle very loosely there. Seemed a cool ability. Uh, online artists are definitely having fun with that right now. Yeah, you have to rescue the Waddledees. That seems to be an important part of the story. Uh, and it's coming March 25th. Um, yeah, still not put off this one. Definitely want to play it. Looks great. It looks very inspired by Mario Odyssey, the mouthful mode. Mm-hmm. I'm actually delighted to be interested in a Kirby game. You know, not not really on my radar as like my most anticipated game of the year right now, but yeah, I am looking forward to playing this. Uh, next up was uh, MLB The Show, which uh, I, to my knowledge is the first Sony-developed game on Switch. Uh, and it's launching with cross-progression with all the other versions. Now, I did try this on Game Pass uh, earlier in the year, and I decided that baseball is just not for me, but I know a lot of people are excited for it. So, yeah. I'm hoping the American can take over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an American in that I played Little League when I was like eight, and I bleeping hated it. <laughs> if you think this game is boring to watch, wow, wait till you're in the outfield and you're just waiting for something to happen so you can actually do something. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's just like cricket. A mind numbingly boring experience i don't know why baseball is called the american pastime when it's clearly american football is the american Mm. pastime uh but anyway uh more detached examination of this game i'm interested uh i don't know if i should say i'm interested i'm curious to know if uh this is like the legacy versions of fifa or if they've actually put some effort into this to actually give it some parody to the the other console versions which actually do have like impressive community features in it or if they've just gutted the game and this is just an xbox 360 port basically you know i'm curious to see which it is but it don't matter i'm not going to play it either way <laughs> uh, i think the cross progression at least suggests that it's all, it's got some parody but I, i'm not confident enough to say and um, that's coming april 5th Next up was Kingdom Hearts in the cloud. Ooh. One to three available via cloud. No one wants this. Um, Can't even get it. Like, yet. I was so disappointed. So di- yeah, exactly. We we don't we get don't no. we get none of the cloud versions over here in Australia. Nor do we want them anyway. But yeah, I can't even be bothered to make a Final Fantasy cloud joke out of this one. Uh, but that's out now. Next up is uh, Klonoa fantasy reverie series which is basically Klonoa 1 and 2 coming July 8th. I played one on the PS1 and absolutely adored it so yes count me in for this one because uh, I don't think I've played these are like the PS2 games I think 
repackaged, and I've never played either of them. I thought they were remakes of the first two Klonoa games. I'm not sure. I'm not a Klonoa expert, but that was what I thought. A game that's coming probably like five years too late to Nintendo Switch, <laughs> but Portal Companion Collection, uh, Portal 1 and 2, uh, with multiplayer, including online multiplayer. Uh, that's coming later this year. Disappointed not to see a physical version of that, but eh, whatever. Not surprised. Um, Especially with Valve. I, Does Valve yeah. even do physical <laughs> games anymore? No. They just do physical hardware, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have only recently just replayed these, and I will take any excuse to play them again, because they're great. Me yeah, too. So. Valve has already announced it's only going to be 20 bucks for this package. I was thinking that's the exact price I'm willing to pay for these brand new. You could probably get them on sale for even less than that if you wait a few months. And Portal and Portal 2 probably rank these among my favorite uh, puzzle games ever. So yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be getting these. <laughs> Although I will I will caution people in Portal 2 and the, the co-op campaign is incredible, but basically impossible if you don't have voice chat. So set yourself up for that in advance because uh yeah we can't assume anything yet but the game's probably not going to have online voice chat so you're going to want to set yourself up with a a server through your computer or phone if you are really planning to do that yeah i'm also going to highly recommend these um portal 2 i would say is close to like masterpiece status for me if not actually Mm -hmm. masterpiece status yeah, like when Portal 1 launched and everyone was just repeating the Cake is Alive oh. joke constantly, Portal 2 has much better jokes than that. And a better song, I think. <laughs> Definitely. J.K. Simmons and Lemons. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Cave Johnson. Cave Johnson is one of the all-time great video game characters. <laughs> mm-hmm. So next one, this was what definitely one of those in the I didn't know I wanted this, but now I absolutely did absolutely do category uh live alive or live a live live alive yeah live alive which is a uh 2.5 hd or whatever they call it these days it looks like bravely default basically yeah um it's a remake of an rpg that was never released in the west andrew called it chrono trigger by the way of octopath traveler which i think is a a neat little descriptor i think a lot of the people who Uh, made chrono trigger also worked on this game if my memory serves correctly ah, which would explain it's set up with different time time zones and settings, such as the Wild West, ancient China, future worlds, and and all that jazz. That 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 kind of oh yeah has some parallels. You had near future and then distant future. Yeah, <laughs> and you can tackle these eras in whatever order you like. Uh, I wonder how true that is, because or if, is this going to be like a, a grindy one where you need to work through in a logical order and you can switch back and forth, or is it? You can literally just each each era is treated as like a almost like a separate separate game kind of thing. I think it is like that, and then there's like an epilogue where it all comes together. Pre-ordered this one, um, was surprised it was getting a physical. I think mm-hmm. along with everyone else, but uh, well, Nintendo are publishing exactly, it, yeah, which explains which is that. actually a nice callback to the era of RPGs this game comes from. Because quite often, if you wanted an RPG in the West. Uh, you weren't getting it unless Nintendo was willing to publish it because Square was not going to do it. Like that was the main <laughs> reason like Europe didn't get most of the best RPGs was because Square didn't want to do it and even Nintendo didn't want to do it. They were willing to do it in the US, <laughs> but Europe was out of luck and it really sucked for them because mm-hmm. that meant it was like it wasn't until the virtual console came out that they could short of ROMs play a lot of the best RPGs ever made and it just it was not a good situation for them. 
Uh, that's coming July 22nd. Uh, next up is Nintendo Switch Sports, another game that's coming like five years too late, in my opinion. Uh, it's kind of a remake of all the mini games from the Wii Sports series. Well, not all of them, but the ones that fit the Switch as a system, I guess. Uh, it originally looked like uh, the Miis were a thing of the past, but no, they're still in there. They're just optional. They've added in uh, nicer looking, uh, characterized Shovelware. sports people this time. Yeah. <laughs> We've got new sports uh, where you can use the leg strap for physical kicks, which is kind of neat. Um, I think it's the same leg strap from... Uh, Ring Fit Adventure. Um, we've got badminton, which is wuss tennis, hey. and volleyball, which is hand tennis. So, are you going to say something? Which is badminton's f- more fun than tennis, I reckon. Hard disagree. Uh, be wrong. I usually love corporate awkwardness in Nintendo Directs, but this was a little too on the awkward side. Uh, yeah. When they said they were going to, now we're going to play volleyball together, I was like, oh, can you please just go to the next game? I don't, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows what this is. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to get free updates with uh, new sports and everything, so they're going to add uh, Wii Golf. Uh, and the game comes out April 29th, but they're holding an online playtest between February 18th and 20th. Uh, yeah, that's going to be one of those things where it's heavily weighted towards American times, I bet. More than likely. Uh, next up, uh, Taiko no Tatsujin. Uh, rhythm festival which is a continuation of the infamous uh, drumming game uh, where they only released the drum attachment in japan for some reason uh, this one includes an orchestral version of the zelda theme it's coming this year and they announced a paid sub for 500 songs i'm pretty sure they did release the drum peripheral for the last game in the west i've never seen it not i'm pretty sure it didn't release in australia very, no it was just in very limited amounts I don't know, because I looked into importing it. Like, I'm pretty sure that was a thing. No, I, I very specifically remember that they had it in very limited supply. Mm-hmm. I can't remember okay. where, though. It might have been the eBay shop when they still had it. Uh, how do we feel about the drumming game? I've never played it's it. It's hard, and I'm a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be more willing to pay this if the drum peripheral was more widely available. But I'm not going to play a game like this by tapping the screen in handheld mode no forget it <laughs> okay uh next up triangle strategy uh coming 4th of march i think we already knew that uh but they announced a new demo where you can play up to chapter three and then transfer your progress to the full game which i'm totally gonna do uh looking forward to that that's going on my switch light uh just for the convenience angle i don't really have a good gauge on this because both you two were hit and miss on octopath the studio's last game uh but i, I love that and i'm all in on this one just i like the art style but I will say that I like when they do demos like this. Mm-hmm. I've been sold on this game since they announced it. I've just been waiting for them to release it. <laughs> I don't want to play a demo. I want to play the full game, and I'm happy to wait for that to happen. But I don't need to see anything more. I've never needed to see anything more. Just when they said uh, tactical strategy game in the Octopath Traveler graphic style, I was like, yes, thank you. Say no more. <laughs> uh, next up was Cuphead Delicious Last Course, which of course stands for DLC. A new Inkwell Isle with new bosses, uh, a new character called Miss Chalice, and that's coming June 30th. That's I feel like that's been releasing every year for like six years now. <laughs> oh yeah, but when you realise the amount of effort that goes into the hand-drawn animation, you get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I never did quite finish Cuphead. I love Cuphead, but the penultimate boss where it was the, the lottery, uh, I know you could game it to get specific bosses that you were good at, 
but just yeah that kind of killed it for me yeah i haven't left the first area yet it's very taxing mm-hmm. love cuphead uh and i want more uh next up metroid dread is getting an update it's getting a dread mode Ugh. Uh, where one hit will give you a game over, but it's also getting a rookie mode because a lot of people thought this game was really hard. Uh, so they ha- now have a way to play it. Uh, and I th- that did come out during the Direct, didn't it? Yes. Yes, and it's the boss boss rush mode that comes later in April. Um, pretty cool they're still supporting what is you know a single-player game that I think most thought they would just put out and it, it would be done. Yeah, I like this new era of Nintendo that seems to actually allow this. Well, not just allow, but like embrace it. But um, mm. I have to say that the, the updates, compared to other updates for single-player games, they're a little underwhelming. Boss Rush mode, I can see some fun with. Rookie mode should have been in the game at launch. Mm. I don't know. Uh, the, the thing that made me laugh was, uh, if it was in there at launch, no one would have a problem with it. But because they're adding it, the get good crowder having a field day and a meltdown yeah when are they not but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just camp out waiting for the next game to come out they can complain about uh next up was some earthbound news but not the one that everyone really wants and has wanted for many years uh earthbound and earthbound beginnings are out now on nintendo switch online that's a thing yay uh, so if you want a mother three port play them nintendo is watching yeah they'll, they'll have all the data on it um, earthbound's one of those ones that i've always wanted to play just never got around to it i've tried playing earthbound the snes one a few times it is very much a game of its time like it, it's a bit hard to get into uh, it's also the mi- the minorest thing puts me off it and it's that i don't like jrpgs where the combat's like first person i'm the same yeah yeah I, I struggle to get into that god knows why now i've tried a good half dozen times to play through earthbound since i was a teenager and i just i can't keep my focus on it i just i wouldn't even say i get bored i just feel like playing something else after a little while and then i just never get around to coming back to it <laughs> yeah um then was sizzle real time uh which was oddly missing from the last direct from memory but we have one this time wasn't very long but uh, we got a glimpse of zombie army 4 dead war coming on april 26th uh andrew you played through the others would you be interested in this one yeah i'll probably get it although that is a a next gen game while the original zombie army trilogy which was actually dlc what zombie is what Mm -hmm. zombie army trilogy was was two dlc packs released for two different games and then there was a third campaign that was made just for zombie army trilogy uh, a little mm-hmm. confusing <laughs> but zombie army 4 is the first one in the series that's actually a full game unto itself uh, i'd have to look at what it's like before i commit to getting it on switch because it's it might be a kind of game i would rather play on a bigger console depending upon what its technical specs are like but i'm interested uh, next up is uh, getsu fumaden uh, undying moon uh, out now it's a remake i think of a side-scrolling platformer i've never played it so i don't really have any strong feelings towards it one way or the other it's like an obscure konami platformer from the nes that they've remade for some reason because konami is inexplicable right now you can't you can't Mm -hmm. tell what they're gonna do next but i've I've been given no incentive to be interested in this uh next up was demon slayer kimetsu no yaiba the hinokami chronicles this is one of those strongly based on an anime and probably only has interest for you if you like the anime. Uh, that's coming June 10th. I fit none of those categories. Same. Yeah, no. Uh, next up, Lego Brawls, which looked like a Smash clone, uh, but with Lego pieces, which, which you know, uh, conjures up some cool ideas and, and interesting mechanics, but probably not one for me. That's coming June 22nd. 
I'm not sure if it's a Smash clone or if it's a beat 'em up because I've seen people say both. I assumed it was a Smash clone, but I really don't know. The screenshots I've seen made it look like a Smash clone. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on it. I'm sure if you wait a little while, you can get this game for ten bucks. So. <laughs> Mm. Exactly. Uh, it looks like it's already on mobile, and it is a mobile fighting game. Okay, enough said. <laughs> Two Point Campus coming May seventeenth. Um, I did like Two Point Hospital, but I, I have I like. Sorry, how do I word this? I like these kind of games when you're managing something I'm interested in or would find fun or ridiculous. So a hospital makes sense to me. Uh, a prison makes sense to me. A dinosaur theme park makes sense to me. A school. Or a college does not, so but, I'm probably going to give this one a miss. But there's a wizard class. Unheard of. I hate Harry Potter too. <laughs> well, I love Two Point Hospital, and I cannot wait to play this game. This is uh, one of my most anticipated games of the year. <laughs> Big yes from me for Two Point Campus. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, a lot of outlets got everyone excited for Mario Kart 9's announcement, which didn't make an appearance, but they did announce a whole... A lot of DLC for Mario Kart 8. Uh, It comes in a booster course pass, which costs 25 bucks in the US, which seems really reasonable, or it's free with the Nintendo Online Plus. Now, what this is, is 48 new courses. That's 48 uh, over six waves, uh, which doubles the number of available tracks for Mario Kart 8. Uh, They're all remakes of classic courses from the entire series, and the first wave comes in... March 18th. People being weird about this one, as they usually are with Nintendo announcements, uh, in that some people have noticed that they're quite similar to the tracks from the mobile game. Yeah, who cares? Uh, <laughs> a lot of people talking graphical downgrades, because of course they are, because it's Nintendo. They just spent two months arguing over trees. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to make people happy. <laughs> yeah. I think this is good news. Uh, I think 48 courses helps to breathe uh, a lot of life into you know what's uh, ostensibly a dead game by this point not dead uh, in the online <laughs> sense, I was but say, you know what, what i mean this is still like one of the best selling games on switch it's always at the top of the charts i mean in the sense that it was finished they were done with it you know and now they're just adding a lot more content at a good value yeah so yeah, I have no problem with this. At first, I was I was in that frame of yeah, like good luck getting people to pay for this. But then when I saw how many tracks they were adding, I was like, okay, that's that's pretty decent value. Uh, all work online as well. Yeah, the third time in this direct, I said they should have done this five years ago. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. nice that it's here, and I, I'm hoping that this will make Mario Kart Eight a regular part of my you know games that I play. But you know, I'm easily distracted, and I'm always playing new stuff. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> But still, like ninety six tracks total. That's that's ridiculous. Like they they can say that they're picking the best tracks from across the series, but I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure you've got pretty much every track across the entire series <laughs> at that point. Well, guess who did the maths? Oh, okay, thank you for doing the math, Dory. I tried to look at a wiki to figure it out, but the wiki was not well organized uh, to see the total number of tracks across the series. Please enlighten us, Tori. <laughs> uh, one fifty five. Oh, okay. Well, so two thirds, roughly, which is and, uh, still massive. Yeah, and, and I'm guessing most of the tracks are going to be left out are going to be the Super Mario Kart tracks, which were basically just you know flat courses with 
colored blocks in them, <laughs> uh, marking the the borders. Like if they leave most of those out, then that's probably you know basically every other track that's ever been <laughs> made for a Mario Kart game. The thing is, is that the first wave includes Sky Garden from the Game Boy Advance Super Circuit, mm-hmm. which was a flat track, and now it's this huge curving track around these giant beanstalks in the sky. So it's a huge upgrade, fidelity wise but it still has that sort of mobile game aesthetic to it, I guess, which ultimately still looks like it belongs in a Mario game. That That's that's what's important to me personally. It, it looks more like a Mario game than the base tracks if you really want to get picky. Uh, they've done a lot of those updates. Like Ribbon Road was from super circuit as well so obviously yeah. that got a huge upgrade for the for the mario kart 8 version and there are a couple others that just got that real anti-gravity upgrades brought to them even though the course it was based on from a previous game was just a really rudimentary flat track uh, i can't name all of them off the top of my head but there are there are a number of them in there uh, but this is all coming to mario kart 8 uh, so I have a hard time imagining that the game would play significantly differently. Mario Kart Tour doesn't have anti-gravity. So if they are porting tracks that they were remastering for Tour anyway, they're probably not going to have anti-gravity in this. So That's, it, that's it's, a little disappointing. But... but people are assuming that all of the tracks are being ported over from Tour, which I don't think will be the case. I think they uh, will have some like original yeah. tracks that will look like Mario Kart 8 if that makes sense, and have the anti-gravity and everything. I hope so. But I guess the only th- problem I could really imagine of this is if just the courses are not well adapted, if they're kind of rushed maybe, which I I have a hard time imagining anything Nintendo doing being rushed because they, they just they don't, they don't rush things. It's not what they do. And, you know, like just the turns won't be right or anything. Like if it, I, I'm less worried about them being ports from the mobile game as they're just being just bad adaptations of the tracks that could happen but we'll see i'm still looking forward to this 48 new tracks no matter which way you cut it that's a huge content drop for what is effectively an eight-year-old game now (laughs) the game's got to be 10 by the time that it's all done yep yeah it'll be great (laughs) uh yeah um also before we get on to the final announcement i just remembered i missed one um i'm blaming uh my new macbook's weird reversed scrolling thing star wars the force unleashed is coming april 20th uh they had the cheek to call it a classic because yeah (laughs) that game um i I remember this game being positively received when it came out not the wii version which is what we're getting but the uh, the 360 and ps3 versions i remember people being pretty excited about some of the things you could do on that i think i played through half of the first one and my impression was it's got cool ideas it's really badly executed that's where i am on that um never played the wii version i think i own it because i bought it in a bargain bin uh, a couple of years back yeah that's a thing so yeah sorry left that one out and then the final announcement was uh xenoblade chronicles 3 was there any rumors of this beforehand because oh, yeah. everyone was talking about it the day before the direct so i didn't know if something had had leaked or if people were just getting like it was around you know it's been long enough since the last one that people had been nostalgic for it <laughs> there had been rumors about it for a long time and people were reading into monolith soft's job postings to guess that they were working on a certain kind of game and it sounded like a xenoblade chronicles game and they were right uh, so that's coming september 22nd was it the 22nd or was it just 22 it's coming in september <laughs> my, my my bad note taking there yeah i'm excited uh, i like both the other games uh, the second one uh, with caveats uh, andrew 
if you're a long-time listener, you'll know all about what he didn't like about it. Uh, this seems to address some of that. Oh, it definitely does, because I've seen those people complaining about how this game didn't make them horny, and it's like, well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing it did remind me of is that we don't have Xenoblade Chronicles on Switch yet, and it's like one of those few uh, hangover first-party titles that's still stuck on the Wii U. I'd be surprised if we don't get that at some point beforehand. What do you reckon? No. I don't think that'd happen. They would have announced it if it was coming out before. Like, we might get it someday, mm. but no, it wouldn't be out before. Right, I'm guessing mm. it gets announced in A3. <laughs> not, as a, not as a big announcement, but just as a, they're going to cover Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and then they'll be like, oh yeah, by the way, this is coming in, like, July or something. Something short notice. I don't think so. Just, I don't know why. I just feel like they really don't want to acknowledge it anymore. <laughs> And it also doesn't really directly tie into the Xenoblade overarching story. Um, it was still positively received, and it's still kind of part of the series. I think it's coming, so I'm, I'm willing to, to take the L on that if I'm wrong. I'd love to see it. I, I think Xenoblade Chronicles X is fantastic. I just don't see them doing it because because I like it, you know? <laughs> so what you're saying is if it doesn't come out beforehand it's your fault yeah you, you can blame me cool. directly I'll hold, I'll hold you down cool uh, and that was the end of the direct pretty strong overall I thought um, without announcing anything massively groundbreaking yeah I was, I was quite happy I was, I was like consistently surprised throughout um, and it's uh, most of the games are out like imminently or between now and June and July, so I think that leaves us open for a good second half of the year as well. What about you two closing thoughts? A fantastic direct to open the year on. There were very few moments in this where I'm like, come on, move on. Like, a volleyball part, obviously. Overall, like, Kirby, I'm so excited for. Mario Strikers. No Man's Sky just blew me away, even though I'm probably not going to buy it. Unless it's on <laughs> sale. That one in particular was like... Wow, I applaud this game that I'm probably not going to buy on this platform. Yeah, how did they do it? I'll, I'll never know. <laughs> not disappointed, not especially moved by anything that was in it. No, it was a an average direct for me. But the kinds of things that I like to play weren't really highlighted in here. So it was more just a, a preview of what the year is going to be like for me. <laughs> and that was that. So uh, with that, let's get on to the stuff we've been playing this last week. Okay, well, uh, try and keep this somewhat brief because we've gone on for quite a while now. I had thought I would be playing the GTA trilogy because my physical copy shipped during the week, but it's been held up with whatever delays Ospost has, uh, which are often and many. But I did instead. I picked up a few games on sale uh, on Thursday or Friday night, and I've played a couple of those. So the first one, Overwatch. Uh, I had been meaning to pick this up on Switch for a while. The reason I hadn't was because all the uh, Activision Blizzard stuff had it felt better about picking this up on sale because of microsoft's imminent purchase because i feel you know i feel like they've made a commitment that they're going to clean house there so i feel a little bit better about it and most of the reason why i wanted this on switch was just port curiosity uh, and delighted to say it's a very good port of what is still a very fun game i don't know what i was expecting but I, obviously like uh, it runs fine the graphics look good with the exception of the close detail of the characters which you only see on the character select screen anyway and the stylized nature of it helps massively obviously yeah uh, andrew i think you've been playing this right i've come and gone from it on switch but it, it is a very good port it holds up visually really well mostly thanks to again i'm drum i'm beating on this drum but art design beats fidelity every time and 
Overwatch has mm-hmm. really distinctive art design. If you if you really look at the character models, you can see some of the textures are a little low resolution, but when you're in the game and you're looking at everything in motion, you won't even notice. Uh, and we talked about this when it was announced. It's going to be 30 FPS, not 60 FPS. So if like I, I think the uh, the era of pro Overwatch is over, but if you were still you know thinking maybe that might be a career you might want to get into, you're not going to do it here. Uh, <laughs> but if you're just a casual player, just playing for funsies every now and then. This is a great place to do it. Also, like I was a bit worried at first because I went through the training stuff as a as a refresher, uh, and the last part of that is to play with human players against bots. And after fifteen minutes, it didn't find Ooh. me a match, so I was like, "Uh oh." Um, but when I went into the main queue in quick play, I was in within mm-hmm. minutes. Um, it's got a cool feature where it tells you like how long you you're likely to be waiting based on your preferred class. So like support and one of the other ones had shorter time waits than the damage dealers because everyone wants to be the one that that kills everyone psychos uh, so yeah i think that's, that's a really cool feature and yeah as soon as i started picking the classes that had the shortest wait times I, w- I was in in under a minute often so yeah pretty good um and yeah got lucky with my my port curiosity on that one uh, as I did with a, another game, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, Andrew, Backbone, how's that? Backbone is a narrative post-noir video game. I, I play as a raccoon detective named Howard Lotor. He's very much a classic noir detective in the, the style of Sam Spade or Mike Hammer. He's dressed in a trench coat. He's always smoking a cigarette. He works in a piece of crap office in the middle of downtown, and his clients are all... Uh, poor and working class people who can't really afford to pay him, but he he takes the jobs anyway because he feels sorry for them. And the plot of the game kicks off where he uh, meets uh, an otter woman named Mrs. Green who's planning to divorce her husband uh, because he is cheating on her and she wants leverage for getting the custody of the children after the divorce. And so Howard follows Mr. Green to this brothel and makes a horrifying discovery there that leads into a conspiracy going on elsewhere in the city and that's what the rest of the game is about is that conspiracy and it's your pretty standard narrative game uh there are some gamey elements to it like there's a stealth sequence where you have to have howard crouch behind furniture to avoid a patrolling guard as it passes by there's like literally just one section of the game where you have to do that and there's another section that has some very light platforming Other than that, the rest of the game is just walking around, talking to people, and watching the story unfold. It takes about four hours to get through the whole thing. Uh, And when this was a noir game, I was really into it. It's a really cool-looking game. It's got great uh, graphics, really good animation, and a a cool jazz soundtrack, which even has a few uh, vocal recordings in it at at a few points. Uh, And then I got to about two-thirds of the way through the game, and there's a plot twist, and the game just flat-out changes genres. And I'm not going to say anything more because I want it to be a surprise for people still interested (laughs) in playing it. But noir is a kind of depressing genre uh, because it's all about helplessness and injustice and how like even if you win the small battles, the, the big war is still going on and the people who really you know, control society and have power, like, basically nothing's going to happen to them. Like, if you've seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that's a <laughs> that's a good example of it, because, like, you know, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, they stop Judge Doom, but we all, we all know what happens 
to the train line in San Francisco. It still gets broken down, and they build a freeway. That happened anyway. Uh, <laughs> or uh, the, the famous <laughs> ending of Chinatown, uh, where, you know, with the, with the famous line, you know, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. Same kind of thing happens in this, but so much more nihilistic and happening in a completely different genre. It just, when I finished it, I was like, what the f- was that (laughs) so uh, a lot of feelings a lot of strong feelings about the ending and i wish this game had just stayed you know just more of a noir game with the raccoon detective (laughs) investigating basically just an analog for the 1950s uh, race relations in the united states Uh, i wish it had stayed with that rather than turning into what it turned into (laughs) but it's certainly an interesting game and uh, I'm not mad I played it. The other thing I've been playing, uh, somewhat unexpectedly, uh, was Alien Isolation. Uh, so I started a rewatch of all the movies recently. When I say all of them, it's a shame they didn't make any past the first two. They did. They're just all terrible. I, the first Alien is like one of my favorite films ever. Uh, I would go as far to call it a perfect film. The sequel less so, but it's still entertaining. And just off the back of that that had me thinking about alien isolation it went on sale as part of this february fest sale so i grabbed it for for funnies again port curiosity and another one where it turned out really well this is a very good port of alien isolation the first thing that struck me when i started it was that they have the aesthetic from the original alien like 100 percent perfect like it has the same vibe the same design all the the lo-fi style technology uh, it's just like absolutely perfect, and it looks stunning on Switch. Um, I mentioned during the No Man's Sky part about the chromatic uh, aberration special effect. Uh, they use that a lot here, which is a, a stylistic choice, uh, which you can actually turn it down, but uh, it, it looks pretty good on on the default, regardless. So there's a lot there's a lot of that happening, and the game takes its lessons from the first Alien as well, in that it's terrifying, and there's one Alien and that you are just running for your life from it like it's not um when we've talked about horror games before andrew talks about the genre where you're just running away constantly uh running away will get you killed every time uh, and this uh, it's kind of like a it's like a first person stealth game almost a bit puzzly with how you you try and navigate the areas to avoid uh this this sole alien that's on board uh, a ship the game is kind of uh, a sequel to the first Alien. In the timeline, it, it sits between Alien and Aliens, and you play as Ellen Ripley's daughter. Uh, Ripley, of course, is the the protagonist of the first film. Basically, while Ellen's in stasis, traveling, hope, hoping to get picked up by uh, Earth's sensors, she's lost for many, many years, uh, and her daughter, uh, Amanda Ripley, has grown up. Uh, is working for the company just like mother uh, and she goes out on a mission because uh, she hears that the company have picked up some of the flight recorders from the Nostromo which is the the ship from the first movie uh, where she's hoping to find out information about what happened so they they go dock at this uh, big space station the group have been out to collect the those flight recordings and they've brought back an alien with them and that is wreaking havoc it, they've, they've closed the station down everyone's living in in terror uh there are you know pockets of survivors still around the ship's uh synths which are androids basically uh they are like the 
what's it? They're like an older technology version of Ash from the first film. So they've got like blank, like plastic faces, and they do not follow Asimov's law, which apparently is a, a company directive rather than an android directive so you have to navigate through you're trying to get back in contact with your ship you're trying to meet up with people who you traveled with uh, and all and in your way you've got your survivors you've got your synths and you've got this soul alien who is hunting you every step of the way Uh, so how this plays out is you will move around the ship uh, as stealthily as possible Uh, at any time the alien could appear uh, you get the uh, movie famous uh, motion sensor to try and track its location so you know how safe you are to move through areas it's just all around terrifying like uh, a lot of the game is centered around hiding when it's in the vicinity so you can hide under desks under beds uh, hiding in in lockers uh, even if you're doing that sometimes you're not safe so if you make noise while you're in a locker say you you, you glance a look at your uh, motion sensor the alien can hear that and it will come and hunt you down it is built with these huge sections of long tension. So it, the way the alien appears comes in ebbs and flows. So you'll have sections without it where you're just like on edge that it's going to appear. It's really well done. Like the, the game is really thrilling. When you come across uh, pockets of survivors, you can use them to your advantage. If you're feeling cruel, like you could shoot one in the kneecap to get them to scream, to get the alien to attack them while you make a quick getaway. Other than that, the, you do get some tools. There's... um this whole crafting system so you'll you'll loot stuff as you're going around there's not too much of it it's not like what it's not like a a borderlands where you're just constantly opening stuff it's just a there'll be a couple of crates here and there uh, and you'll get the bits and you can create you know create um uh, medic packs or noisemakers so you can distract the alien while you're while you dart off in the other direction really like the the synths are almost just as scary because they're they're just like relentless when they detect you yeah so it's this whole thing where you're you're backs against the wall for the whole thing and you've just got to try and survive somehow famously it's a long game i, I think i had have it on ps4 and the reason i never started it was because i heard that it was too long uh how long to beat has it at like 19 hours or something Jesus. uh yeah but uh which is a long time to be like spent sat on edge with your shoulders up by your head <laughs> I've, when you i've heard once you get the flamethrower it turns into more of an action game yeah um i've read that that uh you can scare the alien off, basically, but it's not like a, a full fix. Like, you won't be able to get through a level unscathed. But our mutual friend, Cat Lawyer Mechanical, on Twitter, had retweeted a thing ages ago, which was uh, a plan to play it as an episodic game, which I like the sound of, so I'm going to try and follow this for, you know, like, play a quote-unquote episode every month. And uh, so the, the idea came from a guy whose tag is uh, GT Elephant. They split the missions into like groups of four. So you get your prologue, which is your mission one. Then you get two to six, which is mission two and, and so forth. And so I've, I've just beat episode one. Um, uh, and I, th- I feel like this is a really good way to play it. Uh, they seem to have got it capped in a, a really good way where an episode would end at a logical space as well. Negatives, order saves. There aren't any. Uh, so you will manually save at, like uh, telephones on the wall, <laughs> kind, of, kind of like the old Resident Evil ribbon system. You don't have to get a collectible, sorry, uh, but you know, similar vibe. These are scattered uh, around. Very, um, you don't come across them that often, and uh, the levels are designed in a way so they're pretty open. So you have to explore to find your objective or uh, items that you need. 
So it is possible that you will miss useful save points, and if you die, even across a loading screen, you can only revert back to your original save, and that means a lot of lo lost progress. I googled to see if there was an autosave system, and again, it was the get good crowd yelling at people who were asking. Do I have a strong opinion on it? Like, if this is the way they've designed the game, that's the way they've, they've designed it, I feel like I would be happier with a, like, a happy medium, like if it checkpointed if there was a, a loading screen. You know, just to save me the hassle of repeating the things I've already done. That has hampered my experience a little bit. Like, there's a whole section through the, through a medical bay. And because when you combine that with the random aspect of the alien, like, there were times I would reload and then I'd go through the door and the alien was there immediately. <laughs> and I couldn't help but get spotted and have to wait again to load. And then he wasn't there the next time, but he would get me somewhere else. So the it's not really trial and error. It's like, you know, you're trying to get the, the triggers that work for you in that particular run. So that, that's been my only downside uh, so far, uh, but it's only been a, a big problem a couple of times. So I'm really loving the game. Uh, I, th I think it would be better with autosaves or at least a, a compromise, like a happy medium. Uh, but the the game itself is, is ridiculously fun, very tense, uh, and they have everything about the, the movies that I like uh, locked down and perfect so yeah big big fan uh, i'm definitely going to keep playing this one um just because i like punishing myself with tension apparently <laughs> tori have you ever played it i think you've only just watched the first movie haven't you yeah which um i hope i don't get shut down for saying that uh, i just haven't watched a lot of 80s action movies and i'm trying to make up for it alien was one <laughs> of them aliens is next mm -hmm. um yeah aliens a Alien is more of a horror movie. Aliens is a straight out '80s action movie, which which kind of works. Like you you don't want to just repeat the same thing over again. I think that was a very smart call when uh, James Cameron stepped in. Yeah, and I do have this game downloaded on the Xbox at the moment, so because mm -hmm. I like horror. Yeah, but uh, just the 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 thing that I'm adoring is like you you'll you know the aliens in the area you'll you'll be like in a corridor and you'll see him like through two windows just like slowly stomping around so you'll you'll dart into a room and hide in a locker and then like if he's heard you at all he'll come and investigate so you get these tense moments where you're hidden in a locker and he's just outside the grill like trying to sniff you out and there are there have been a couple of moments where I felt like he's found me regardless of how I hid um but there is this whole mechanic with holding your breath and leaning back so he doesn't see you through the grill and the the triggers for him finding you in those scenarios aren't clear to me yet so i'm still experimenting with that but yeah other than that enjoying it a lot and it's a very good port so if you've played it on other platforms and you fancy playing it handheld definitely recommended with headphones then yes it's it's a good place to play it uh, so yeah been lucky with my my port curiosity this last week uh, and the final game we're going to talk about this week book of demons uh, andrew what's this one about Book of Demons is an indie action RPG. I choose to play as a warrior, a rogue, or a mage, and I go into a church in the back of this lonely little village and fight my way through waves of monsters until I find a portal to hell, go into hell, and I kill Satan. Fun thing about Book of Demons is it's all made with like a papercraft aesthetic, like the opening cutscene is all like a pop-up book, and then... The, the game itself isn't constructed like that, but everything is made out of like a paper-like appearance and the characters are like folded, almost origami uh, characters and they, they just kind of hop in place when they're attacking. It's kind of cute. Uh, but then that's contrasted against this really 
you know macabre subject matter it's just a lot a really fun idea to do it that way and that simple idea kind of bleeds through to the rest of the game too uh all of your abilities and all of your items are actually cards that randomly drop depending upon the difficulty you're playing on. On the first two difficulty levels, you'll generally get the cards in a certain order that they'll be useful to you. Or on the hardest difficulty level, everything that drops is random, so you might just be screwed and you might just have to start a new character if you don't get uh, something useful early on. Uh, but the warrior is really focused on just like equipment. He does get a few skills, but I didn't really use them. But uh, the equipment, how it works is kind of interesting is it actually uses up a permanent amount of your mana. So the warrior had a fair amount of mana on him, but I didn't really have many points to actually spend because most of his equipment was actually taking up not only slots in his hand but also permanently occupying a certain chunk of his mana meter and so he had a lot of passive effects to block enemy attacks and deal certain elemental damages and enemies all have just like a long line of hearts on them on their to represent their hit points and like basic enemies if you hit them uh, then they'll just lose a heart because everything in this game is just one-to-one. -one. Everything deals exactly one damage, uh, so you have to slowly whittle down your enemy's heart meters, but if they are, like, fire-enchanted, then I want to use an ice attack against them, because their fire-enchanted hearts will actually take longer to break down unless you're using an ice weapon, and the verse, vice versa. Uh, also a really simple elemental system. There's only fire and ice to really think about. And uh, the rogue uh, has a lot of movement abilities, so I can jump back and forth on the path between enemies to avoid their attacks, but uh, she had a lot fewer options as far as dealing elemental damage, so I really struggled with her to defeat certain enemies. Uh, and, then, and then the mage, as you might expect, has the most spells and the least equipment and his spells all hit really hard and he has a lot of interesting choices uh it was the hardest for me to get started with the mage but once i really got going with him and got a few spell cards and got those cards upgraded i started just shredding through the game uh, and i really enjoyed that part of it the rpg mechanics are really simple and I really appreciate the game for that. When you get a level up, you can choose to upgrade your hit points or your mana and that's it. And which option you don't choose doesn't disappear and it goes back to town and goes into a cauldron in the inn. And if you go back to town and you talk to the innkeeper, you can pay her to let you drink from the cauldron and then you can claim the points that you didn't take, which I think is really clever. The downside is if you die, then some of the contents of the cauldron will actually be emptied out. So there's a little incentive there to uh, regularly visit town to claim those points before you die again. But the more times you do it, the more expensive it becomes to claim those points. I thought that was a really cool system. Another way that it has really simple RPG mechanics is every time you get a level up, instead of your strength rising... Uh, it keeps that one-to-one -one system by actually reducing the total number of hit points that enemies have. So when I my character, whoever they may be, gets a level up, then every monster I'll face in the dungeon from that point on will have one fewer heart. So at the start of the game, you know, the skeletons and the zombies I'm fighting might have like five or six hearts. If I come back at like level 10, I'll be able to hit them 
and they'll die in one hit. I thought that was really cool too. If what I've described so far sounds like the first Diablo, that's because that's exactly what this game is. Uh, <laughs> you can even, the town is like blatantly based on the town in the first Diablo. There's a joke about how they don't have a blacksmith because the game mechanics just didn't suit them and they got bored and he left <laughs> and there's there's a potion maker who will heal you if you talk to him and there's an old man who invites you to oh god what are the words he says he doesn't say stay a while and listen he says the opposite uh he says listen he's kane okay he's deckard kane <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't call this a ripoff or even a re remake of Diablo. It's a parody more than anything else. Like, it's having a lot of fun with, you know, just the fact that it's very obviously Diablo. Uh, like when you're going down the level list because you, you select levels from like this long column of levels that shows everything you've gone through and you go all the way to the bottom, you can see the archdemon at the bottom hanging out in this pool of lava, except he's holding a rubber ducky. <laughs> and like uh, uh, the boss you fight before that is the anti-pope and he whines like a little child when you beat him. <laughs> like it's a, it's a fun game. I had a good time with it. The only problem is the targeting system on Switch. This was a game that is you know, being a lot like Diablo is very clearly designed to be played with a mouse. And they didn't translate it to console as smoothly as Diablo 3 managed. I move the character through the levels with the left joystick, and with the right joystick I can move a cursor around, and it's bright pink, so it's really easy to see. But I have to move that cursor on top of something I want to target, then I have to press A to target it, and then I can, you know, start unloading on it. But if it goes out of range, then I immediately lose that target, and my what I'm firing at will change to the nearest available target. So, uh, in theory, that sounds like that should work. In practice, I'm moving around so much, and the monsters are moving around so much that really what I'm targeting is completely random a lot of the time. So something that I really need to kill. Uh, to stop it from, you know, healing monsters or summoning more monsters or just creating a really nasty effect I don't want to deal with can be quite a headache to get rid of it just because it's so hard to target it and keep targeting it long enough to kill it. But nevertheless, I was still able to muddle through the game with all three characters without too much difficulty, and I had fun with it. You know, maybe play it on PC if you're that worried about it, but... Uh, I got this game for $2.50, uh, 90% off of its regular price, and I am just, I'm just <laughs> thrilled that that was all I paid for it, because I think this is a great game, and I recommend it, especially if you're a Diablo fan. Okay, folks, what are we playing in the coming week? Uh, I'm not going to promise anything because I probably won't be here for the next episode, but I will be continuing with some of the stuff I've been playing, and next time I'm here I'll have some views on, on GTA on, on Switch, hopefully. Andrew, what about you? Uh, there's a indie Zelda-style game called Ocean's Heart that's coming out, or that is out, uh, and there's also a game called Infernax, which is supposed to be like a, a Castlevania-style game, like classic Castlevania-style game. I haven't decided which mm. one I'm going to play. They both look cool. Yes, we await to find out. And Tori? I'm uh, still working my way through Duncan Romper with all of the other games that have come out recently. <laughs> but uh, there's also this game that I saw. It's also on Switch that I've been playing on the Xbox Game Pass called Kill It With Fire. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, I've seen this. Yeah. 
I played like the first chapter of it and it's very silly and I quite liked it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. And you can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Be sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and The Power of X, for coverage of PlayStation and Xbox games. And be sure to join our Discord server to interact with our lively GamePodular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. And you can check out the links in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon, and the details for both are found on our website. Thank you in advance. This episode was edited by Andy, and you can follow him on Twitter at FlameRoastToast. I am at PlayCritically on Twitter, and you can read my long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. And Tori is at Stew2, that's S-T-W-T-W-O, and she streams at twitch.tv slash Tori, S-T-W.
so it's this whole uh, thing with sorry did you hear that oh yeah kitty yeah it's nearly through time so she just came sat behind me and yelled <laughs> uh, 